Hi, I'm Jason. And hi, I'm Hillary. And this is the Hi-Fi Sci-Fi Podcast. And today we're talking about Season 1, Episode 10, Haven. And you might notice that uh, Paul is not with us uh, this week, but I'm very excited because, uh, Hillary, uh, we've never done a podcast together uh, in the 15 years that we've known each other and in the uh, 10 years, well, almost 10 years, uh, that we've been married. So this I is... think it's just because you didn't want me to outshine you. <laughs> People will quickly <laughs> find out where the real talent is. It's true. It's true. So next week, it'll be the Hi-Fi Sci-Fi podcast with Paul and Hillary. <laughs> This is true. I'm going to pull out all of my years of public speaking experience on you. Uh-huh. I'm going to use good argumentation. Everything, uh-huh. Everything's going to fall in line here, people. You're so, going to appreciate my comments on this episode. So I know this, you will. This episode will have standards. <laughs> it will. Our previous episodes. <laughs> Not so much. Um, one of the reasons that I was excited to do this episode uh, with you is because the crux of this episode is not just marriage. I mean, it is about a potential marriage about to happen and a wedding, uh, but it's about arranged marriage. <laughs> right. Which and is... Counselor Troy's arranged marriage, which... the <laughs> I have feelings about Counselor Troy. Yeah. I mean, okay, so what you should know about me, too, is I'm similar to Counselor Troy in that, actually, my educational background is in psychology. Mm -hmm. I was a therapist at one point in time. Mm -hmm. And every time I watch Counselor Troy, I'm like, I don't think I'd want you to be my therapist. I think you have a lot of baggage you need to deal with, lady. A lot of things that she seems to uh, bring into her quote-unquote psychology practice do seem a little pop psychology or suspect just in general (laughs) yes yes like i mean yes as a therapist you're supposed to you know interpret other people's feelings but you're also not allowed to whine that much like she's whining she is bless her dear soul and i don't know if that's just because they always make her wear such like tight outfits like i'd i'd be whining too if i had to wear that every time they literally like everybody else in that ship gets a uniform yeah and she gets pajamas no, no, she doesn't get pajamas. She gets a leotard, is what she gets. She gets a leotard. And the amount of pressure that must be to just be like, I got to wear this mm-hmm. and pretend that I'm a professional? Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. no, no. That's one of the thing I, things that I do appreciate later in the series is that eventually she gets to put on a uniform like everybody else. I know. She, bless her dear soul. She gets one of those nice blue science uniforms and... uh but but so this episode starts out really it's kind of weird because it uh, we see the Enterprise getting into orbit for the planet Haven. They have a conversation about Haven. Apparently, this planet is uh, renowned throughout the galaxy because it has these mystical healing properties. A thing that seems kind of like a throwaway thing, but it'll it'll come up later. Mm-hmm. And then we really quickly like move away from that to <laughs> to Riker in his quarters chilling. With some entertainment. And you can't his, see me, but I'm shaking my head his slowly. Cho- his choice of entertainment is unique. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> okay. I'm trying to pick my words carefully here. Uh-huh. I mean... It's a podcast, so you can so, say... Riker... Riker makes me angry. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I mean, he's sitting... I'm like, your eyes are raping them. Like, stop. <laughs> They're holographic images of women, and they, they feel, in my words, v- very rape. I'm like... Riker, he looks turn inc- off 
the whatever is happening. Like yeah. it's, I mean, yeah. maybe, and maybe it's just because like the thought of watching other people watch porn is not at all a thing I want to do. And I mm-hmm. feel like that's what we're forced to watch here. Yeah. Like yeah. space porn. Yeah. Cause Riker's sitting and he's watching this and it's not clear at first that these women who are wearing shimmery dresses and playing harps. It's not clear okay, whether or stop. not they're the real. The harps. That's what got me. I'm like, what? The, what's with the harps? <laughs> it's why, very strange. Why harps? It's a deliberate choice. <laughs> right? I'm like, you could have picked anything else for them to be doing, yeah. and they're playing harps. I couldn't show him actually watching adult content, so I feel like that was their stand-in? I don't know. Okay, then I question the writers. Like, can you imagine that conversation that must have happened? Okay, here's what we want to do. We essentially want to have Riker watching space porn, but we can't really have him watching space porn, so what could we substitute instead? Who's the person that stood up and said, I have an idea? Harps. Harps. And I think, did everyone else in the room back away from that person slowly when they were like, how about hot ladies playing harps? Yeah, and they just (laughs) took like four steps back and were like, it's on you, kid. Yeah. It's on you. All right, you do that. You do that thing. Because... You do you. That You're right. I didn't really like connect it until you just said that, but the look on Riker's face is very predatory, like as he's watching these attractive ladies play harps. And I think the reason it gets even more predatory is how upset he gets that he's interrupted yeah like he's huffy he's huffy is not the word i would choose i mean he's beyond huffy he's like (laughs) listen people i'm in here watching my harp ladies Mm -hmm. and i can't be bothered because i was about to do terrible things to these ladies and you have now stopped me from doing said terrible things and there's a lot of questions that you could ask but i feel like this would be a lot longer podcast if we did about the purpose of that like disc that's on his table that the harp ladies are being projected from? Like, is that the only thing that disc does? Is just summon harp ladies scantily clad? Or does something that get other channels? Riker, no, mm, something tells me Riker's got a collection. Yeah. I think he has mm-hmm. cultivated a collection, and he just, you know, yeah. he just, you know. And I, and I think what's good is that eventually, you know, when he gets his beard and he grows up yep. down the road, yep. we, we have less harp ladies. But right now, I'm like... Bruh. Yeah, it's a there's, choice. There's even an episode where um, uh, I don't know if you remember this episode. It's one where everybody gets their their like memories wiped, and this th- dude shows up on the bridge, and you're like, "Who's that guy?" And he's trying to trick them into attacking these people, like convincing them that we're at war and we've got to do it. And it's when uh, Ensign Rowe is there, and they like hook up, right? Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. I'd forgotten about that. There's yeah. a line there. Where she asks him, you know, what are you doing later? And and he's like, well, I don't know. I might just go to the holodeck and, you know, whatever. And she has this line where she looks at him and smirks and like, she says, pity. You seem like the kind of man who doesn't need a holodeck to have a good time. And this kind of establishes he sort of does. Like yeah. this episode and then the uh, an episode earlier. Yeah. If you remember the one with Minuet, the one, the hologram lady. Yes. Uh, that he had a crush on. She comes in later, actually, weirdly, too. It's like Riker kind of does need some holograms to... I yeah. Have a good time. It's a little, yeah. A little sad. And I guess too, what's to kind of bring this back around to the original part of the conversation is I don't really understand why this is. I, I mean, I think I realize it now. Like what they were trying to do is lead into this whole he's going to be upset when this arranged marriage with Troy thing happens. Sure. Mm-hmm. But it was just an awkward way to. I mean, it was pretty ju- cringy. It, mm, it was. Pretty it was yeah. So we go right from that to the transporter room where Riker's on his way. He's not there yet. Troy comes around the corner and they beam in that head, the silver head thing. That pukes Jules? <laughs> just <laughs> <bleh>. <laughs> 
it delivers a message and then and in the creepiest way fashion because it, it, it like you look at it and you're like maybe it's a statue and then Deanna walks into the room and since she was the one who was supposed to get the message you know he comes alive and it's it's like beyond circus creepy like it's if you want to see a fair comparison actually when I was thinking about it there was this video that I used to watch when I was a kid called We Sing in Sillyville. Okay, go with me here. Okay. And Probably was, on the YouTubes. It it is on the YouTube actually okay. and it's it's well worth your watching. It's an, it's an hour <laughs> well well spent. It's essentially a bunch of white people like singing for kids, okay? Got it. And they like as a kid you don't realize like how bad the makeup is or uh. how bad like the what's the word I'm going for? The um the the okay. set is, is oh, the word okay. I'm going yeah. for, you know, okay. like the so backdrops and stuff. Like, yeah, yeah okay. all that uh-huh. stuff. Uh-huh. And there's this one scene in this We Sing in Sillyville where these these frogs that, like, pop up out of this lake and they sing, I don't know, they sing a kid song. I can't remember what it is. Okay. Um, but it reminded me a lot of that because it's like you can see the hand, like, of the people, like, moving the frog. <clears throat> and here I feel like somebody's like, listen. You can tell there's a guy under that transporter right. just sticking his head up. Being exactly. Like, and, and if you yeah. notice, if you look really closely, the makeup doesn't quite match. They're not no. quite the same color. And it's yeah. just, it's it's terrifying. Yeah, it's pretty weird. It's terrifying. You know, fun fact about that uh, creepy silver head. Mm-hmm. Um, the person who played creepy silver head. Yes. Jewel Vomit Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, is named Armin Scheimerman, or Armin Shimmerman. And he went on to play Quark. In Deep Space Nine. Uh, Well, at least he got redeemed. At least, I mean, at least he got a chance to make up for that. And we've actually already seen him once because he played one of the first Ferengi we ever met. Well, go him. At least there's there's hope for him. He's getting getting some work, I guess. He's cashing that paycheck. Um, The Silverhead's message is that, by the way, Deanna Troy, remember that thing that happened when you were a kid and, you know, the kind of silly arranged marriage, ha 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 thing that your parents worked out. It's happening. Get ready. Um, And we're off. In the episode. Right. But what was odd is it wasn't until later in the episode that I realized, I was like, wait a minute. Why is there an arranged marriage? Like, it was really weird because she's only half Betazoid and then her husband, in quotation marks, is human. And I'm like, well, I don't understand. Like, I got really lost. I was like, what is happening? Yeah, you you mentioned that while we were watching the episode. Yeah, I, I mean, know. it's just it's very strange, like, the way that they set it up, like, the justification for it. Well, and I thought it was odd that they made the choice that he was human. I mean, she's yes. half Betazoid. I guess that's why I was confused, because in my head I just implanted, oh, he's Betazoid, even though he didn't have any of those, like, ability to read her mind or any of those emotional connections that right. like Troy has or whatever. And that's where I got confused. I was like, oh, wait. I actually looked it up. I okay. did some digging. Mm-hmm. And here's why. The arranged marriage is there, I guess. Okay. So, Deanna Troy is half human, half Beta Z, right? Right. She's half uh, human from her father, who is a Starfleet officer, based on Beta Z. Okay. Married, Waxana Troy. Who is nutters. We'll talk more about that. Right. Later. We'll get to meet her. This is the first episode that we get to meet her. <laughs> um, they have friends who I think might have been serving in Starfleet, might not have been, but they were living on Beta Z at the time. That's the Millers. So, that's why it's folks, right? Okay. So they're family friends. They're all ha-ha on Beta Z. When in Rome, do as the Romans do, right? So they adopt some Beta Zoid culture, some things, and they enter into this Beta Z tradition of, you know, family friends having their children be in arranged marriages, I guess. So even though of the four people who made this original arrangement, there's 25% Beta Z there and 75% human, they were just like, yeah, it's cool. Go with it. Let her kids get married, I guess. I just feel like there are probably far more Beta Z traditions that they could have latched onto. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I j- mm. mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, they talk more about Beta Z traditions later when, they, when we get to the wedding. Right. Right. That'll be fun. That's awkward. <laughs> so Wyatt beams up uh, and he's straight out I thought he was straight out of a John Hughes movie like that oh was, gosh yes that was my like I was reaction. ready to like fist up in the air <laughs> you know like rocking the music or like pretty in pink soundtrack coming See, on I was gonna ask something you, like that do you think he's more do you think he's more pretty in pink or no, do you think he's more club. breakfast club oh breakfast, okay, club. breakfast club breakfast yeah. club he's very mm. Emilio in breakfast club yes mm-hmm. very much so very much so I think like the misunderstood emo kid uh-huh. who you know yeah he's even got some of that like about his drawings yeah right yeah <laughs> he's like these are my drawings and <laughs> she's my special lady yeah. and yeah because right away that's what sets kind of the interesting like the tone for their relationship there i'm meaning um deanna troy and and wyatt uh who, who she's arranged to be married to um, she picks up because she's empathic right away that, you know, oh, I'm not what you expected. She says to him, mm-hmm. I am not what you expected. And, you know, doesn't know exactly why, but we later find out, you know, the reason for it is because he's been making these drawings since he was like a kid, which is also kind of weird. <laughs> like, that's the thing. I don't think that he treats it very, like, well, not very casually, but casually enough where it's like, you know, I mean, I just, I was thinking about this. If you had been drawing pictures of some mystery person, the same person, and you see them in your dreams every night vividly and are compelled to draw a picture of them all the time, I feel like that's something you'd spend a little more time with and like, oh, yeah, it's my lady that I draw. Well, it's not important. And just put them over there. Right. And or your parents would ask some pretty tough questions. (sighs) Yeah. Who's the lady that you yeah. keep drawing? Because he draws her very well. Like, he's yeah. clearly, I mean, a talented artist, I guess. Right. I mean, enough to draw her. Right. And that's that's where I kind of went. I was like, so your parents were just cool with this? Or was it... Because it's not like they didn't know who Deanna was when they met her when she was a kid. You know what I mean? Like, she's got dark hair. Oh, my God. Good point. Right? Like, wow. so she's So she's clearly not this person, and they've yeah. met her, even if she was a child at the time. Yeah. Most of us grow up to look... I mean, unless we dye our hair or do something crazy. I mean, most of us have features that are genetically gifted to us that are going to make us not look like that lady in the picture. So why, Millers? Would you be like, yeah, totally, Wyatt, that's the lady you're gonna marry, question mark. Yeah, I completely sailed past that. I, like, I I must have given it much more of a free pass than that, but you bring that up. This is an excellent point. Like, they immediately would be able to look at that picture. Like, I get it that kids, you know, can whatever, and, but, like, she would have always had dark hair, she would have always had curly hair, she would, I mean, like, very clearly this woman who's straight out of a starship video from the 1980s yes is not deanna troy no and, no, not uh, at I all i feel like one like either of the millers like his mom or his dad would have been like um before you do this you should know that if you're going here expecting dream woman from mtv um that's not her that's not yeah. deanna troy <laughs> And right? that, and he he's surprised from the moment he materializes on the transporter pad. He's like, "Oh my god, it's not Dream Woman!" Right? Weird. It's yeah. That should have been. It should have been. <laughs> That's a rather large plot hole. So they leave. Uh, the Millers go to their room or whatever. Waxana beams up, and then the episode really gets. Oh, going. the woman! It, she's a nightmare. Yeah. She, you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna be honest with you. I have <laughs> never 
liked her character. You know? In any episode. Not just this one, but even as we meet her more and more and more as we travel down the Star Trek trail. I've always struggled with her character. Because the thing is, is... She's kind of too much. She is. She's too much. And she's too contrived. And she seems... What What do you mean by contrived? Contrived. I mean... I know that they're trying to... I see what they're trying to do, which is like... And maybe I don't see what they're trying to do, and that's the problem. Because she's so different than Deanna. Yeah, she's strikingly different. And not that we can't be different than our parents, because we are. But there is not a single quality that I find in Luxana that I see mirrored in Deanna at all. Yeah. Beyond their ability to share each other's thoughts, which I don't really count, because that's just part of who they are in terms of their, their race. That's what gets me about her. And also, too, they chose the woman to play her who looks nothing like... Well, the way that they have her hair done and a couple... I mean, like, I kind of saw it. No. No. Okay. No, and maybe it's just because she's so irritating. I can't can't get past it. it. (laughs) Like, I can't see through it. I can't see the forest or the trees. But I've always struggled with her character. I will. And maybe too, and maybe it's, and I should admit this, I'm the type of person too that like, let's say there's like contention between two characters on a show. Sure. I may turn away or turn the show off Mm -hmm. because I feel embarrassed for them, like on their behalf. Like it's a really weird thing that I do. Like I'll give you an example. Like on Fridays when NPR hosts the political correspondence, you know, where they're bantering Uh back and forth, they have a Republican and a Democrat or whatever. I sometimes have to turn away because I'm like, oh, this is oh, this is going to get awkward and they're going to talk about where things are going to get mad at each other and if I don't listen... <laughs> yeah, you can hear the tension. Like, you can hear the tension and then I get awkward for people. Uh-huh. And I don't like to be awkward for people. Like, uh-huh. that's just who I am. So, uh-huh. looks, I think her character... She's awkward she's in, in, incarnate. In, right. And then I'm like, and then you say these things to Captain Picard? Yep. And I think that... I don't know. She I, suffers from, like, the same thing that um, Dr. Pulaski will suffer from in season two. Which is, they're both characters who are antagonistic of favorite characters of the show. Yeah, right? I guess that's my thing. Like, I have a soft spot for... For for JLP. For, yeah, for Jean-Luc. Like, yeah. he's just, he's he's my jam. Like, he's my man. Yeah. Like, something about the bald man. Like, I can't... It's pretty sexy. He is a sexy dude. Yeah. Like, I'm not gonna lie to you. Like, yeah. mm, you know... Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm comfortable with, uh, with you know, the Kinsey scale. I'll even point it out, you know. <laughs> I, hey, he's a, he's a sexy dude. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, and she's just, and I think too, the more I think about it, yeah, I, I'm all for empowered women. I just feel like the writers empowered her wrong. That is like a theme for season one. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like, they're like, here's what an empowered woman sounds like. I'm like, no, that's, that's what a crazy woman sounds like. <laughs> like, it's like a bunch of men in a room trying to write. Right? They're like, listen, we can write ladies. We can write ladies real good. As it turns out. We give them harps. We put them in weird outfits. This is what ladies, this is what ladies do. I'm like, could you have She's consulted confident. a single lady? One single lady when you are writing? Because I don't feel like they did. And I think that's why I have a hard time with her character, too. Oh, goodness. I'm so happy that you're here. This is great. Um, it's like she's see, she's confident because she's loud. <laughs> that's that's, that's not how it. Thing. It's not at all. Mm. Yep, yep. That's mm-hmm. my two cents on that. Yeah. And she's there. Um, she basically says uh, that this whole arranged marriage thing. Um, after they make the captain carry her giant bag 
Um, Which was adorable. That was really I, funny. It was so adorable. Right when he picks it up, and he's like, this way. Because what I love about it is you know that that bag did not weigh that much, and mm-hmm. he's faking it, and mm-hmm. it was like, Patrick Stewart had an opportunity to totally throw a little like Shakespeare humor in there and oh, was yeah. like, listen, I'm going to play this like I was on the stage. Yep. Sir Pat Stewart. Yes. Is channeling he was like, the Shakespeare he was, stuff there. He was, and, I, and you could tell, but it was just adorable. He's, he's it was golden. adorable. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so they get up to the room and, and basically Waxana says to Deanna, you know, hey, they kind of came at me with this. Um we're sort of bound by our customs. There wasn't much I could do. And they have this weird arrangement where, like, neither of them seems super into it. Like, Waxana even's like, eh, I don't really, but, you know, whatever. And Deanna clearly is like, eh, I don't want to do this. But I'm Beta Zed, so shrug. Right. I'm yeah. like, did, did you write something down? Is there a legally binding document somewhere? Yeah, they never talk about that. No, because that's my thing. I'm like, so you back... Because clearly Wyatt has the hots for this other girl that he's been, you know, in his imagination. I'm like, yep. so you... And I think that's what I struggled with this episode. I'm like, this this plot is falling apart because all you have to say is, is no, we're done now. We don't want to do this. Yeah, everybody, everybody looking at each other in that situation had motivation and opportunity to be like, nah. Yeah. You know, walk and their, away. Their, their whole thing was, is Walt's custom. Yes. Okay. Because the- it's even worse because, um, <laughs> you know, Wyatt isn't, he doesn't get the dream woman that he's expecting. Deanna doesn't want to do it. Waxana was like, eh, you know, they, they said, we, you know, we want to do this, so what can I do? And the Millers hate Waxana. Right. So that's my question is, is okay, Millers. Th- okay. A, your son's been drawing pictures of this other lady forever that you no. know is not Deanna. B, you dislike her mother. Oh, yeah. Greatly. I mean, hate. Straight hate. up hate. You are not Betazoid yep. at all, yep. nor is your son. So what the H-E double hockey sticks are you do Like, why didn't you mm-hmm. just be like, we're just going to forget about it? Because they're the ones, and the, according to the episode, right, they're the ones who brought it up. They're like, oh, yes. this is a thing we have. What? That's what doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, so why didn't you just keep your mouth shut and let your son draw more lady pictures, you I, know? I have. <laughs> just, <laughs> just put it, let him practice his medicine somewhere. Yes. And in the evenings after he's spent a long day curing exotic space diseases, he can draw as many pictures. Yes. Of his special lady as he his, wants to. Exactly. Um, that would have been the smarter choice. Uh, maybe to spin this like weirdly and maybe a little dark, maybe they're worried about their son. And they're like, this arranged marriage, I mean, we know Deanna's good people. Her mom's a little, mm-hmm. you know, but clearly she got her sanity from the father. So, you know, otherwise he's never going to settle down because he's just going to keep drawing weird pictures of this crazy blonde lady. This is true. And he's getting older. I mean, yeah. you know, they get, and they want to get him married off, married off and they want their grandbabies. So, yeah. you know, like, let's go be. chip, chop, chip. Let's get this done with. Even in the 24th century, when we're supposed to be more refined, those motivations are still there. Oh, please. Oh, boy. Well, before we can think about any of this too much, the episode almost instinctively changes our focus. Like, no, nah, don't think about that. Think about this. Um, the Torellians show up. Which we don't find out. The sickest, literally the most diseased people, apparently, in the universe. Yeah, they, I mean, because in the preview that we heard um, that got posted last week, um, you know, they even say, you know, my son and those lepers, it's like mega lepers, right? Because they're just 
so they established the people of, of Torelia. Um, they were at war with each other, one continent versus the other continent. The one continent's like, I've got a great idea. I'm going to make them all sick and they'll all die and hooray. And what happens whenever you use biological weapons, it's a bad idea. Spreads to the whole planet. They have super turbo uncurable space sickness. I mean, they don't really say what it is or what, it, you know, but it's lethal. It spreads like crazy. And so this ship that shows up is like supposedly the last of these people. And there's like half a dozen of them or something. And they're on their way to Haven because they think that this planet has mystical healing powers, which we talked about in the beginning. And they want to, they, they want to hopefully have this planet work its mojo and cure their space sickness. Haven's clearly not having any of it. The Electorine of Haven, who is apparently French, um, this is a very French accent, mm-hmm. um, you know, is adamant that the Enterprise not only protect the planet, but she's like, blow them up. Like, go blow those people up. Those sick people over there, go blow them up. Keep them out my yard. And there's the Enterprise's um, big moral dilemma of, of the episode. So... I thought that part of the episode was actually kind of cool. I did too. I I wish that they would have actually focused more on it. I mean, this in idea the in than the arranged marriage, like because this was actually quasi interesting. I mean, they could have done a lot with this in terms of you know what these people really want, what their goals are, and and my thing too is, is I'm like, um, okay, this is this is what got me. Is, you know, they have that meeting where they're all sitting around, you know, and yes. they're talking about the Trellians, uh-huh. and Dr. Crusher comes in and she's like, well, you know, even dumb people can create biological weapons, right? Yes. And I'm like, wow, yeah. wow. Her exact, okay. her exact line is like, you know, they, they never got past the 20th century in technology, like, before they developed this weapon. But I think she says something to the effect of like, well, that's all you need if you're a damned fool. <laughs> right, right. And then everyone is like nodding. They're like, like yeah, yes. mm-hmm. yeah, we're super smart. What she said. But here's my thing. I'm like, so, Dr. Crusher on the Enterprise, you have all of this technology. You can mm-hmm. beam anything over. Why don't you just beam over a sample of like, I don't know, like a specimen from them? And I bet you, if you claim you're so smart, you right. probably could come up with a solution and, like, heal them. That would have made for a really interesting episode. Like, yeah. and, you know, if something happened and then, oh, you know, like in other episodes where, oh, no, it got loose. And now it's, you know, and we have to yeah. race to the cure. And and in the end, curing them and curing the people. And, you know, and, you know, because there's only like 12 people left. It's not like millions of people. But that would have made actually for a quasi-interesting plot point. Yeah. You know, I Nobody, mean... Nobody... No, you may, you bring up a really good point, especially even for Dr. Crusher, who normally would be the person who's like, let's do something in this situation. She's right. very dispassionate about their about their predicament. Yeah, and, and I don't know if it's like this, because it's wiped out everybody, you know... It's like, ah, it's six people. <laughs> right. Or if it's this fear of like, oh, this infection is so terrible, but I'm like, but... In plenty of other episodes, you just put them in some sort of containment field, and then you beam <laughs> them over, and then you fix them, and then you beam them back. Like, this is a thing that is happens all of the time. Like, Yeah. Well, the, the thing that is interesting about this episode, though, is that I think, I think maybe they're still figuring that stuff out. Because this is the 10th episode of the series as a whole, but actually I found out this was supposed to be the third episode. It was written oh, that early. Okay. You know? Okay, but still, it doesn't really bode well for Dr. Crusher as, no. a, as a physician to just be like, oh, you're damn fools and Godspeed. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's essentially what she's saying. Like, 
Yeah, and he, somebody even refers to them in this episode as the poor devils or something. Which yeah. I, like, and everybody's like, no, you know, those poor schmucks, you know, whatever. Like, But it's like, so cure it's like, them. It's like the writers forgot they were supposed to be writing for evolved people in the 24th century yeah. and were just writing about stuff they feel now and are like, you know, <laughs> like, well, I'm stinking people and all their diseases and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> They're turbo-gross space lepers. Right? So like, they're essentially homeless disease people in space and we don't really want to deal with them so our solution is just blow it up yeah they're not it's not very federation like in their no not at all not response to not it. at all and they're basically so this now runs simultaneously um so the, the trellians are on their way the thing that i find convenient is they're on their way slowly so we have enough time to have this marriage thing kind of you know right. crank up into spectacular gear. yeah so we go it's like oh space lepers Meanwhile, you know, and they cut over to the um, the dinner scene. You remember the dinner scene? Yes, the gong. Yeah, yeah. The uh, so they're all around that table. Um, Mrs. Miller is next to Waxana Troy, and which seems like the worst seating arrangement. I mean, somebody should have been like Picard should have been sitting between the ladies. No, not Picard. Riker should have been sitting between the ladies. Huh. Put Riker between the ladies. He'll oh. solve that problem right away. He'll just he'll just get in there and he'll just be like, "Hey, want to play me a harp? You play the harp. I like ladies who play the harp." They could have done some amazing mm. awkwardness with Riker in that situation. Like it would have been spectacular. Yeah. Because Waxana, she's all like anybody who breathes. She's like, "I think you're so sexy, and I'm gonna touch you and be she all even, up in your grill and she love comes on you." To him. She comes right. on to him at the end of the episode, right? So mm-hmm. just put Riker in between them, and you would it would be an amazing scene, amazing scene. The thing that I did like about this scene, though, before we like talk, get back to the gong, mm-hmm. I want to talk about that. Um, the thing that I thought was adorable about this scene, though, is Data like eating it up, like with oh, a spoon. Yeah, because you know? it's like. He's normally around people who are uh, disciplined, career, not military, but like paramilitary peacekeeping officers. So there's like a chain of command and normally like respect, you know, and people like, you know, solve their differences through debate and, you know, point, counterpoint. And instead, just people being just real catty, you know, just being real nasty to each other. And Data's just like, this is the most amazing thing I have ever seen. It really is, though. It's quite spectacular. It's I mean, cute. it is. I mean, it reminds me a lot of a lot of meals that I had around my dinner table, like growing up <laughs> with my sisters. I mean, you know, I mean, some of the, I mean, just some of the random stuff that came up that was fought about and was argued about and had no, you know, context in life that my father would just sigh and roll his eyes at and then just continue eating, knowing that there's no way to solve this. Which, ironically, that's actually what Riker was doing <laughs> in this scene. Because he was off to the side, remember? Like, he's over there in the, like, the table ghetto over there. And all yeah, he, does he was is at get the kids' huffy. table. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, but that's my thing. I'm like, why are you huffy? Are you... Is he all razzed up because, like... His Imzadi is getting married. His Imzadi. Imzadi. No. <laughs> no? No. Not so much? No. Not buying it, or...? I just... I just struggle with this whole, like... Imzadi. Yeah. <laughs> I just struggle because I was like, Deanna, what do you see in him? He likes... He sits in his room and he watches women play harps. And he's more interested in spaceships. <clears throat> and being yeah. a captain. And being a captain. Yep. But he thinks he has the right to get jealous. Mm-hmm. Like, he's like, I'm going to be all jealous. Again, 
should have had a female writer on the staff for just like a few minutes. Been like, listen, okay, here's, here's the what deal. we wrote. What do you think? What do you think? And then when they would have been like, I don't. This is no. <laughs> No, you can't. No, there would have no. been there would have been a lot of red ink on that script. Well, think? my thing is, is what's his? Mo- I mean, besides the fact that he's jealous, but the thing is, is it's like, have they really established that he's super in love with her and he's going to give up his ability to be a starship captain to stay with her? No, no, because what they've done is they're like, he really likes her. Again, it comes back to forgive me him being really rapey. Like it's very, yeah. it's very. I think that's where I have issues with it too, because I was like. It's the almost eyes. like she is his possession, and he has a right Ooh, to her, yeah. and he gets to be jealous, but he also gets to go off and do whatever he wants to do, and little Deanna will just trot along because they're in love, in quotation yeah. marks. And I think that's what gets me about it, is I was like, listen, you start off you start off the episode with this guy watching women play harps, mm-hmm. and then you lead us through this whole thing, and then he leaves because he gets huffy because she's doing what her culture asks her to do. And you don't really want to get married anyway because you want to captain a starship. So I don't understand why you're upset. Yeah, he comes off really unlikable. He really does. Yeah. He really does. Like yeah. Creepy and unlikable. Creepy and super unlikable. Yeah. I'm, well, that's what I'm just saying. Well, okay. So but before he storms out, the, the the gong thing that keeps going off. Could they He's, have found a more annoying chime, like gong thing? And, and the thing is, I'm like, gongs are usually much more like lower, like, you know, like bong. Yes, exactly. Not like ding. This ding. is like a chime. It's like a chime. I'm like, then make it a bell. Don't make it a gong. Don't disappoint me. And he, the dude, the Mr. Hom, who is her valet, mm-hmm. um, is hitting the thing. And is he hitting it every time? She puts food in her mouth. Every time Waxana puts food in yes. her mouth. Yes. Every time she eats. Apparently, it is their way of giving thanks and or it is a yep. custom. Yep. I don't know. That's what was said. At least that's what I remember. And it's real clear because of the dialogue that's between uh, Victoria, I think is her name, Mrs. Miller, mm-hmm. and um, and Waxana, that she's probably just doing it to really, like, piss off the Millers. Oh, my gosh. What is hysterical about this is I was giggling because I was like, oh, I used to do this kind of stuff all the time to my siblings. Like, all mm-hmm. the time. All the time. But, you know, when you were a, like, teen or preteen. No, no I kind of still do it. Oh, okay. I'm not going to lie to you. It's kind of fun I to guess. do things like that. So maybe, I mean... Do you Especially th- when you have a whiny sister. Like, bless my sister's soul. Do you think maybe then they were trying to play up that angle a little bit? That they were, like, close as family for a time, and now they've kind of, like, drifted apart? No, you buy I, that? I, no, I Is think that giving them too much credit? I think it's giving them way too much credit. Okay. I think it comes back to their idea about how can we wait, make... Waxana's character as irritating as possible. Yeah. How can we make her seem confident, quote unquote, <laughs> and fail miserably at doing it? Oh, yeah. well, we can give her these irritating habits that we couch under this veil of cultural things. Yep. When really it's just, oh, we're, she's supposed to look like she's in charge and in control and is leading this parade. And I was like, you, mm, yeah. writers, writers. So the gong thing is going on. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Miller's getting more and more annoyed. Um, and the thing that sets her off, the thing that just like drives her cuckoo bananas is Waxana's weird living vine pet thing. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Because she says, you know, oh, well, Victoria, Mm -hmm. do you like pets? Um, Oh, love them, of course. And then good. And then just this creepy snake vine thing just like wraps around her arm and she freaks and loses it, cause a scene. And that's when Deanna's just like stands up and just screams at all of them and storms out. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So, 
Yeah, I mean, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, how were these people ever friends to begin with? And yeah. the only thing I can think of is is that Deanna's dad held the friendship together because he he mediated between the Millers and his wife. Yeah. Well, and I imagine that the other thing that they try to point out is that because the Beta Z life cycle is very different than the human life cycle, I think they live longer. Um, you know, Waxana believes and, and professes as much that she has grown beyond the Millers. Oh, yeah, that's right. She you did know? say that. You remember mm-hmm. that? So yeah. I, think, I think it's just because... You know, because losing a spouse is a pretty serious deal. And as as uh, as you find out later in the series, she's actually suffered even greater loss. Um, I think they're trying to portray her as a character who has changed pretty radically from who she was when she was Deanna's mother to this person that she is now. Right. And then it comes back to, if you have grown beyond them, why what? are we <laughs> hopping around having this marriage? Like... Yeah. Why, why are we... If you've grown beyond them, then you don't clearly do don't respect them or their son. You're choosing to go forward with this arranged marriage that really doesn't have to go forward because there's no real reason for it other than our culture right. and something we said, I don't know, 20 years ago or something right. like that. It's very strange. And again, the fact that their son is drawing pictures of a woman that is not Deanna. Yeah. That's a real problem. Mm-hmm. That's a real, real problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, which we'll get to actually pretty quick because right after this... So the, the, you know, Riker stormed out earlier, and he goes, to keep with the theme, to the holodeck. Oh, Lord have mercy. That holodeck scene, that's almost as awkward as the whole room of people having dinner together, Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I see what they were doing. They were trying to get, you know, Deanna and Wyatt together. Because they actually, at this point in time, this is the first time they've any, had any moment together other than the the moment in their room when she's like, you're drawing pictures of this lady. Yeah. Right? That's like, weird. That's weird. And then they leave. And so this is like their first like kind of like intimate moment. And I mean, I thought that it was, it was sweet. Mm-hmm. It was sweet. I mean, it's very first date. It's very, you know, middle school. We're going to dance together. Uh-huh. But then... That part was kind of sweet, but like it starts with it starts as a Deanna and Will Riker scene, yeah, and then morphs into that. It does. I think I just want to forget that part, so I just jump to the part that because it makes it okay. It reinforces literally everything that you just said about Riker and and how they treat his character because he he basically expresses everything that's been subtext up to this point as now it's just out there like. Uh, she calls him Imzadi, I think, is how it starts. Mm-hmm. He's like, you taught me that word meant beloved. And the human heart is too small to permit that feeling now. Have you discussed this with Wyatt? I think you should. It's also damned unfair to me. I understand. I should have realized. Humans, young human males particularly, have difficulty separating platonic love and physical love. Should have called him just a child, because that's how he's behaving. Yeah. Um, and they kind of get it to where they're like, okay with it. And like, okay, we can, let's still be friends. Like, let's not let this get in our way. And then the part that gets a little awkward is when Wyatt walks in. Because mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, hey, guys, what's going on? And they're like, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. We weren't talking about stuff and things in here we weren't talking about our feelings and then he says what does he say to Riker does he actually say to Riker oh you're the one who wants to be the Starfleet captain yes he does that's like dude 
you don't just come out with that. Like, that's, I mean, because clearly she told him that, you know, the first scene that they had together, like, you know, he asked, do I have some competition? Ha ha. And, you know, oh, he wants to be a Starfleet captain. Oh, you're the one who wants to be the Starfleet captain. Like, dude, be cool. What I, what I appreciate about this scene is this, is the more I think about it, and the <laughs> it makes me giggle. Because what I imagine when this scene was being written is, again, a bunch of, like, 22 to 26 year old dudes in a room probably fair and for good measure a few old white guys and a few old white guys who i don't really know the status of what their relationships were at the time but it all feels very like that age group working through love at that point in time in their life like trying to figure out what it means and being like you know like i feel and i feel like that came across a lot in this scene like yeah they, the words they use, like, the awkwardness of it all. Yeah. And I'm like, it's just, it's not the right place because these people are trying, they're, they're getting married. Like, yeah. now is the time for, like, adultness. In it. Like, I feel like the adult just fell out of it here. Like, especially when Wyatt comes in and says, running all of this is such a big job. I'm like, and we're done now. Yeah. We're just, yeah. we're done. There, there's no redeeming this scene whatsoever. The um... It also didn't help either that... The scene, the the set matched Deanna's outfit. Like, that threw me. Like, mm. she was, like... Same tones. Same tones, same everything. Like, it's almost as though... And this is probably giving them way too much credit. It's like they were putting her in the background. Like, Ooh. she doesn't get... I mean... You know what? Riker tells her, this is what you should yeah. feel. Wyatt comes in and says, let me share all the things, the personal things you shared with me, and not give you two cents, you know? Yep. And... And you're just kind of in the background, and you just get to hang here and try to defend yourself with nothing. She literally becomes the set. She literally becomes the set. Mm-hmm. You know, what was the purpose of this conversation? What was the what was the goal? What were they trying to do with Deanna's character and or this relationship? Because in the end, I'm like, so they end up kissing, but it 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 again, it doesn't really seem like it helps this whole <clears throat> idea of let's move forward with this arranged marriage at all. Right. What I was thinking about when I was watching this was. The emotional maturity involved is, like, so low that you could actually probably pull this romance out and put it in an episode of Saved by the Bell or Degrassi Junior High. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it would fit. Yeah. Like, it would be there. Yeah. It's just, that's where well, we I are. Well, I mean, and, and I think, like, when I was looking at this, I, I was flashing back. I was like, oh, this is everything that happened in middle school. Mm-hmm. Like, this is everything. This is watching middle school unfold in the 24th century, which is just terrifying. All that was missing was uh, Will Riker calling uh wyatt preppy true you know very true i mean just... and no i mean and you know and none of the men were wearing you know wrestling singlets right so, right i mean that was disappointing but, but maybe Riker in his off hours the next time he listens to harp ladies you know whatever whatever does it for him you know oh goodness so the right after this um and that holodeck scene wraps up. They get back to the bridge. The The ship that full of the plague people, the Trellians, is now finally in range. Oh, because remember, people, there are these other people called the Trellians. Yes. Right. That's also part of this episode. In case you Don't forgot. Don't forget that. In case yeah. you forgot. that I think that's... I'm not really certain which of these is supposed to be the plot, but that seems the more important one. Yeah, the episode's not sure either. Um, they get to the planet... Uh, the people on Haven freak out and they're like, blow them up. No, do it. And, uh, you know, of course the enterprise is not going to do that. So they, you know, compromise, they put them in a tractor beam. 
tractor beam locks him in, prevents him from beaming down to the planet, what have you, and they finally establish visual contact with these people, and Deanna's there on the bridge, where she normally is, and uh, who should step forward after the first person says, yo, we're the people, um, we want down there. Wyatt's special lady. Wyatt's space lady just <laughs> steps forward. It's like that, it's like that video, uh, is, I think it's the aha video, yeah, take on me. It's like when the comic book comes to life, you know, and they're going back and forth between the comic book world and the real world. It's like she stepped right out of the comic book world, out of Wyatt's special drawings world. And there she is on the plague ship. In all her leper glory. How Just... much hairspray did they have to keep her hair like that? I, d- mm. I mean, it's amazing. It wasn't even that. I was like, how are you keeping that tube top up? Like, what is happening to keep this whole outfit, this whole... Like... Who were the costumes? I want to be like, hey, ye in costumes. I mean, I know it was, what, the late 90s? Early uh, 90s? Late 80s. Late 80s. Yeah. Sorry, late 80s. Yep. I mean, so it fits with the time. But again, this is sometimes what gets me about Star Trek, is if we are indeed supposedly a show that is set in the 24th century, uh-huh. then why was there no conversation with anybody who worked on the show that says, listen, we have to think outside the 80s now. Yeah. Like, just yep. because this is what we're doing now... Does not mean that, you know, I mean, look at poor Wesley's sweaters and, you know, I mean, and even some of the original, you know, uniform stuff or some of the things that they put some of the other, you know, um, alien races in. Tasha Yar's hair at the party. Oh, the party. Oh, Tasha. Yeah. That was spectacular. That was pretty good. That was, that was amazing. That was also very So, I mean, I think sometimes that makes it difficult for me to take the plot seriously, because I was like, but wait, you didn't even take the time to, like, make it look like you said it in a different century. Right. Yep. And not that we would know, but, I mean, it's like you have this grand opportunity to think outside the box and, like, make magic happen, right? Like, mm. you don't know what the, we don't know what the 24th century is going to look like, so just... Get out there, take some cuts, and you know, just and, and make just, a costume. And yeah. and my thing too is, I'm like, these Torellians, There's only twelve of them, and b- by looking around, most of them were old. It was just yeah. her father and her that were were the young the yeah. young ones. So they've been existing on their own for a long period of time. This is in space by themselves, just kind of floating around, right? Because nobody wants them. And this is what you dress them in? Yeah. Like, this is comfort? This is... And not only that, but, like, I mean, they were all wearing, like, these weird, you know, space jumpers, tunics, thingies. But everybody else had, like, a shirt and pants, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So why do they give... I mean, clearly, it's very one-dimensional, but it's like, it's why it's Dream Lady. So, of course, she's in a tube top. You know, dream ladies don't have to be in tube tops. They don't. Dream ladies should not be in tube tops. Yeah, yeah. Mm-mm. Probably. Dream ladies should be in moo-moos. Where did why? Because, because if it's your dream lady, you don't own a moo-moo. I don't. But you're my dream lady. Oh, that's very sweet of you. Oh, see what I did? I, do, I don't own a moo-moo. I'm just saying, like. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with it. I'm just saying, like, if if you're somebody's dream lady, it shouldn't just be, like, because you look pretty. <laughs> and that's all really why it has to go on at this point. Right? Like, I'm drawing this woman who looks pretty. I know nothing about her intelligence. I know nothing about yeah. the sound of her voice. I know nothing about her personality. Yeah. I know nothing about anything about her, except she looks real pretty. And that's kind of sad, too, when you think about it, because, okay, clearly we know where this is going, 
uh, Deanna calls, you know, Wyatt to the bridge and like, look, it's Dream Lady. Yeah. There she is. Uh, how about that, huh? Um, and what's kind of sad about this really is that, um, you know, Deanna, for all of her faults, is clearly a person who's thoughtful. Um, she is. Is, is clearly mm-hmm. a person who uh, is very caring, who has some... It's unfortunate that they, that they put her in like, you know that leotard because Mm -hmm. it's like she has a lot more to offer than the fact that she's an attractive woman. She is an attractive Mm -hmm. woman. Um, But, you know, I feel like her and Wyatt had that sort of very adorbs, you know, moment, right? Where they like connected, their personalities were compatible. They like, I felt like if they got married, they would have done everything they could to stay together. And I think they could have been compatible. I mean, obviously we're only going based off of, you know, that moment or whatever, but it was, yeah, like it was you're, you're rooting for him. It was yeah. sweet, and you're like, yeah, I mean, and Deanna's clearly trying, and Wyatt's clearly trying, you know. And then all of a sudden, yeah, Dream Lady shows up, and Wyatt's like, Duh, I'm out, I'm done. Yeah, he's literally, like, he goes around, he says, he actually, for sure, like, says face-to-face goodbye to his parents and to Deanna, even though his parents are like, what? Like, they mm-hmm. don't know what's going on. Packs his bags, beams over to the plague ship to live forever with plague people and die if he can't cure them as a one-man doctor without borders mm-hmm. and to live forever with dream woman who in reality he's the- never had a conversation with yes he never talks to her no nope. he sees her that's it yep. that, that's it like there's nothing there's nothing and i'm like yeah Either that or he's had some really good dreams. Like, <coughs> well, clearly. That's I mean. Um, I mean, but I mean, hmm. maybe have they've had conversations in the dream? I don't know. No, I mean, he I don't even think so. he's he makes a point to say something of uh, when he when he meets her for the first time. Like, it's just, he, he he communicates something to the effect of that. It's just like you know, it's an image. It's always been an image in my head. I can't get the image, image, That's image, right, he image. Does, yeah, you know, he he never once says. You know, I hear her whispering my name and we have, I mean, like maybe that, but that, I mean, like, you know, clearly they're not conversing. Like, it's just this, all he sees is her face and draws it over Mm -hmm. and over and over again. And it's like, you know, I mean, maybe the arranged marriage was the thing. I mean, and he's like, "Eh, I didn't really want to do that because I thought she was dream woman or whatever. But it's like, he meets this person, they're compatible, they're, you know, whatever. He's like, ah, F that. I'm going to go get plague and live with this woman who I has a pretty face. But I do appreciate the um, <laughs> the consistency with with Dr. Crusher and with everybody on the ship who's like, oh, he's over there already. There's nothing we can do for him. God, yeah, bye. Literally. We'll never see you again. Bye. You're plagued. Yeah. Like, he's literally been with them for four seconds. What kind of disease? <laughs> like, do you show up and, like, do you just breathe the air? And Dead. Because that's the thing. I'm like, right, exactly. I'm like, give me a little bit more about what this thing does like yep. does does it does it kill you over a long period of time does it make you really sick like yep. how fast does it kill you yep. like clearly these people have been alive for a while so yeah. my question then is is like okay well wouldn't you want to test them maybe they have some you know i mean evolutionary trait that has made them so maybe they don't really have the disease and why it could come back over and and you're his parents you want to ask some of these tough questions right. like you know right. like if it was our son like over on that ship i'd be like listen <laughs> you beam him back over you put him in a containment field. Yeah. You give him all of this stuff. You f- figure out what he has. Does he have anything? And then we'll talk. Yeah. Put but it in a bubble. Just, literally, they just like, we're done now. Yeah, they wash their hands of it. We're just done. Yeah. We can't We can't be bothered because this episode needs to end. And the it just wi- needs to yeah, end. Yeah. Wyatt's parents at most look like, I mean, initially they're horrified and then annoyed. But like, that's it. You know, they're not like, they, yeah, they're yeah, not. There's no weeping. There's no. It's just like, 
They're resigned, which makes me believe they've known about this creepy woman forever <laughs> and are just like, whatever, now his dream has become guess, a reality. We're done. We can't was, handle this. Once I saw the dream woman, that's it. There's no talking him down. That's it. He's done. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Dr. Crusher is very, I mean... She's so not doctor in this yeah, one. I'm like, just, could could you care just this much? Could you summon up a few, you know, give a hmm about yeah. this? Please. Yeah, just a little bit. Just try. Please. Try really hard. And um, in, an or- in an effort to put such a tidy little bow on this, you know, Wyatt does then say like, okay, goodbye, everyone. I'm going to enjoy the diseases in Dream Woman. Um, which, by the way, those are the healthiest looking terminally ill people right the only thing i can gather is like seen. well the people in the back look a little old but i mean right. you know they're old like the, the, the people get old <laughs> like people age the only thing i could think of is is maybe they were trying to like send a message about like see this pretty woman in like two weeks she's gonna look like us right but i don't i didn't really like there was nothing said about it no no and, and i think that's what's so sad about it i'm like again it goes back to this could have been a really interesting plot yeah. like really interesting yeah. and yet it was just like it's here so we have more time to talk about arranged marriage it's just a weird thing like i'm like how did these two get connected and my question too is is do these people have special powers like because she she's been communicating with him in his dreams and based off the picture she's been drawing He's had some sort of telepathic communication with her, but they've never really talked. They just draw pictures of each other. So they try to explain this. And the way in which they explain it is the hand-waviest, cockamamie, cooked-up, mumbo-jumbo um, that I've ever seen Star Trek try to pull. Because you remember Wyatt comes into Wyatt comes into Waxana's room before the marriage mm-hmm. when they're talking about, like, you know, because that's when they made the compromise that because Beta Zeds, when they get married, they get married naked, apparently. Yeah, we did. We did skip over <clears> that. Skipped over that particular part. custom. Yeah, um, it'll. We'll have a chance to revisit it because it like stays consistent and it, it does. comes back. It and, does that. I remember. Yep. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, Waxana's clearly you know still in full Waxana mode where she's like, well, you know. I got my hair done, you know, but you'll just have to imagine. It looks way better on me naked, you know, haha. So she's getting ready for the, the wedding. Um, and then Wyatt says to her, you know, he's clearly struggling with dream woman's over on that ship. Like, wah, how is this possible? Now, the answer to the puzzle of Ariana and you is so simple. It's too simple for most humans to understand. Too simple. Of course. It's something they all know instinctively, yet go to great effort to reject or build complicated superstitions about... All life, Wyatt, all consciousness, is indissolubly bound together. Indeed, it's all part of the same thing. Yes. <laughs> I have wondered if something like that... That weren't so. And no doubt, so is Ariana, which helped the two of you to make contact. Boom. Dream woman. That's it! Mm-hmm. Like, apparently implying that this is a thing that could totally happen, even though, I'm pretty sure, has never happened before. And, and 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 will not happen again in any other episode, as far as I know. No, like, they just are like we're trying this and it's not working. And he like okay for her to for her to communicate to him across the light years, right? For decades, right? Um, that is like not just a power, not just a superpower. That's like. You know, your brain's a transceiver at that point to just connect yeah, it's you. it's like putting, you would have to put like all of the Avengers together into, right. with all of their powers into one person and hope it doesn't explode. Yeah. In order for that. Yeah. Like, 
to make any sense. Yeah, like Tony Stark would have to fire the the beams at Thor's hammer, and then Thor mm-hmm. would have to call down the lightning, and then the Vision would have to show up and blast like the mind gem into it. And then, and then Hawkeye would have to shoot the arrow, right? And then and, ha- and then Hulk would have to like Hulk out right at that moment and smash the hammer into something, right? And then they could probably do that, right? Once. I just once, <laughs> yes. I just feel like, yeah, I feel like there was just a lot overlooked when they were yeah. when they were when they were just making this up. And I think somebody was like, "Yo, did we put anything in this episode about how Dream Woman is like in his head?" Nah, let's have him talk to Waxana. <laughs> It's fine. You get two sentences to she do knows. it. So it's she fine. knows. She's the oracle. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, Wyatt's there. He's like, I'm going to cure him. And everybody on the ship's like, we're done. We're not, you know, yep. we got what we came here for. Right off into the night. Peace out. Thanks for letting us be here. And then they leave slowly again because yes. their ship is somehow crippled. They don't of even. Which, of which, why didn't. Why didn't they fix it? Why didn't they fix it? Where's yeah. Jordy? Because he's all like, I'll fix your stuff. Yeah. Where's Worf being like, I'll be all Klingon and fix some stuff? Fun fact, Worf is not in this episode at all. He is not, is he? Mm-mm. He's not in this episode and... Um, Was Jordy in this episode? Uh, maybe not. Let me see. I feel like we didn't see... I don't remember seeing his visor. Nope. Yeah. No. So, it's... Uh, but yeah, they... <laughs> They don't even try to fix their ship. Like, they barely... They don't want to help them cure the disease. The nicest thing they do to them is not torpedo them. Right. Which I feel like that's not... You know, not murdering someone is not like, gee, thanks. That's, like, expected. Right. That's just like... (laughs) That's expected now. Yeah. In the 21st century, (laughs) where we, uh, you know, clearly are having some struggles. (laughs) (laughs) In the 24th century. I just felt like this whole episode was on the struggle bus. Like, it started on the bus... And, like, it just kept getting, the bus kept getting bigger and bigger and slower and slower and just yeah more and more things kept getting on the bus. And mm-hmm. then the bus veered off and just fiery crashed into space. Yep. It was such a struggle bus. By the time Dream Woman showed up, like, the whole thing was just careening off of a cliff. And it's almost like point. this giant caricature of an episode. You're just like, yeah. and I feel like the Dream Woman really, like, encapsulates it all. Yeah. Like, we put some lipstick on this <laughs> and tried really hard to make it look pretty. Oh. And so. Listen, listen. <laughs> she's got five minutes to shoot these scenes before she's got to get back to a White Snake video. Right. Uh, let's see what we can do. Right. But I feel like she's the metaphor. Like, her character's the metaphor for this entire episode. Like, we put some lipstick on her. We put it in a tube top. We made it look real pretty. She is, like, the ultimate, like, uh, object. Like, I mean, she's just there, you know? Yeah. Like, that's... Does she even say anything? Does she... She says a couple of things to Wyatt. That's right. She does speak to Wyatt. So they really have a relationship. They're bonded. They clearly... They clearly love they're each gonna other. Be, yeah. They're going to be together forever. Yeah. Those kids are going to make it. Oh, man. They're, they're just... <laughs> they're going to have all the space babies. <laughs> they're going to they're have wonderful, diseased leper babies. Leper babies. And, and then, it's it's going to be beautiful. It's just it's the uh, thought of it. I mean, how they did not return and tell their story well, is really disheartening. So this episode, um, we have to say a nice thing about it and a bad thing about it. Okay. Uh, you know, what what was our favorite part of it and what was our least favorite part of it let's start high and end low because i feel like 
Actually, let's start low and end high. Let's try to leave it on a compliment, huh? Okay. Okay, so what was your worst part of this episode? Um, I think for me, I'm not going to lie, the, the worst part was probably Riker in this. Yeah. Because he didn't really need to be a part of it in any way, shape, or form. No. And he was just, he was awful. He was... He, he, like, I feel bad because he gives dudes a bad name. You yeah. know, like, yeah. he gives dudes a bad name. Like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to make it seem like I feel like all guys are like Riker because that's not the case at all. In fact, I think they did a terrible job of describing what the average dude feels like, you know, well, talks to. It, it and just, even Riker in particular, because, like, there are some later episodes. And he's supposed to be a leader. He's supposed to be yeah. in a leadership role, right? Yeah. He's supposed to take the high road. He's supposed to be this, you know, and, and I know there's a lot of plenty of leaders in the world who do not do those things. But you are on a ship in the 24th century that purports to have solved all of humanity's problems, and you don't use money anymore because there's ponies and unicorns and, <laughs> and glitter. glitter. <laughs> And yet this is still your approach to relationships? Yeah. yeah. That's what bothers me. I think that's what angers me the most yeah. is I'm like, that's the best you can do in the 24th century? I don't want to live in the... T- I mean, we're fighting right now for a lot of women's right- issues. And I'm like, if this is the 24th century, I don't want to be a part of it. it. makes me grumpy. That's a good point. I think I think that's... Yeah. Yeah. He, he does not work. Mm-mm. Um. Oh. This is going to feel like low-hanging fruit. But I have to say, the introduction of Waxana Troy. Because I feel like, I do feel like she is a character that I do eventually, despite feeling very viscerally against her, I do grow to appreciate and like. And I, I absolutely adore uh, Majel Barrett Roddenberry, who is, this, that's uh, Gene Roddenberry's wife, uh, who is, and she's a fantastic person. Um, has always been very good to the fans, um, was involved in the original series, um, a very good actress. Um, I feel like they're not giving her a lot to work with here. And it's like, it's a lot like the episode that introduced the Ferengi, right? Where you're like, what the heck was that? Uh-huh. Right? Like, this has the same impact, I think. When Waxana Troy comes on the on the, the transporter pad and just starts going, you're like, ugh, what's going on here? I don't like it. Yeah. I want to get off this bus. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be done. <laughs> this struggle bus of an episode is already taking a turn towards Nopesville. Yeah. You know, no, I don't want to do it. Um, and I feel like that's that's so that's such a shame because she's in a lot of, mm-hmm. of TNG. She's there quite frequently. And even in later episodes of TNG, I feel like she works much more. But because you're so colored from some of these early episodes where she's just too much. She she's is. Way too much. Yeah. Exhausting. Yeah. Um, it just kind of, it not only makes the whole episode pretty unpalatable, like just really like, I don't want to watch this. Mm-hmm. But it actually like damages her future encounters yeah. with the crew. Yeah. Because some of the stuff, like the fact that both... You know, there's two people that can raz Jean-Luc Picard, right? One of them is Q, right? Yeah. An omnipotent, near-godlike being who can who can get Picard's goat. And sometimes Picard gets a dig back at him, right? Yeah. The one person in the universe <laughs> who can completely shut him down is a mere mortal Beta Z woman 
who just happens to just know exactly everything to say to get him to blush. Mm-hmm. That in of itself is sort of cute. Yeah. And had they... And, and believable, actually. Like, yeah. Believable, yeah. because what I did appreciate about that is that if she hadn't been so grating and irritating, there's a lot they could have done to, yeah. like kind of bring out Picard's more human side, you know? Because you don't get to see yes. that a lot. You get to see Captain Robot Picard. Right. But she had the potential with her knowing her abilities, because she can read minds and things. Yep. You know, if she had been less grading, there it could have been really funny. And they really even, funny. They even do a one nod at that at the end. Because um, you remember, like, in the episode she was talking about, uh, oh, I had to get rid of my old valet because he was obsessed with me his thoughts became purely pornographic i don't remember what his name was but they said it um and then right as she's beaming off the transporter pad she looks at at captain picard and she's like oh jean luc even da 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 whatever that valet's name was never thought such things about me dematerializes and and he's clearly not having it not amused you know yeah deanna's like that was a joke and i'm you know not amused yeah um so that's like they even kind of tip their cap at that like that could have been what this episode was about. It wasn't. Yeah. They didn't do that. No. Yeah. So that's no. That's my, my worst. That's my missed opportunity there. So, okay, now this might be harder, but what was your favorite thing about this episode? What what can we, what do you think, complimentary? I think my favorite thing about this episode was the fact that they made Wyatt an actual decent human being that could have made the marriage work if it had gone forward. Yeah. Because they could have totally messed him up. He could have been, they could have done him in so many different ways. And yet when he walked on the ship, I'm not going to lie. I was like, Oh, that's cute. That's how Jason looked when he walked into my room for our first date. He was so adorable and he was just so quiet, you know, and, and like respectful and, knew that this was weird and awkward for everybody and didn't do didn't say weird you know i i appreciated that i thought that was the a good thing about the episode is that they yeah. made him a believable suitor for deanna he kind of got in front even of though it, he really. has weird dream lady things i mean i get that but yeah. but his his personality you know i mean even the line about you know like um oh what it, i just um you know running all this is such a big job yes it was an awkwardly <laughs> placed line but it gave him that sense of nativity that may have made the relationship work had it gone forward. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Like, they didn't make him a caricature. They made him yeah. a decent human being who was trying yeah. to do the right thing. He didn't get, get handsy with Deanna. He didn't pressure her. He, you yeah. know, he didn't do anything. He just was like, we're kind of in this. Help me figure this out. No, by the way, there's this other weird woman I'm interested in. But, you know, like... That I appreciated. And for me, that was a high because everything else was just so contrived and so <laughs> so challenging and so exhausting, frankly. He was kind of a breath of fresh air for me. Yeah, he and, and Deanna were like the two believable people yeah. in this episode that really like centered it, right? Because yeah. both of them were very acknowledging of the fact that, and you're right, he, he did. He kind of got out in front of the fact that like... That is weird, huh? Yeah, like, and the fact that he brought her the rose, which I thought was a was a lovely gesture, and yeah. she, and, you know, and her character really played it off as like, oh, this is really, you know, like the rose changed color and it did all that, yeah. and I was like, oh yeah, like that was That's very, sweet. that was very sweet, that was very thoughtful. He was clearly thinking about this is going to be awkward. How can I break this? Out? Oh, I'll bring you something, you know. I mean, yeah, that I appreciated. That's probably that's better than mine. 
I because I think that's better. I think that is probably the best part of the episode. The one that that I had that I latched onto because I'm such a I'm such a fan. Like I, <clears throat> when it starts out, Data is not quite the character that he becomes. But in some of these episodes, you see some like some shining mm-hmm. moments, you know, and just him really, really like getting a chance to see like, man, this is some awkward stuff. This is wow. This is people like this is emotion. This is and the the. I mean, what we talked about earlier on the whole like you know Data's you know just eating up the whole scene in the in the dinner room. There are two things that happen in that scene that just made me grin from ear to ear. One is when Picard like literally almost pulls him down right because he's just like moving from conversation to conversation, mm-hmm. just like not quite smirking because he's he doesn't have emotions, but clearly like I am. I will be. I would rather be nowhere else right now. Like <laughs> this is where I'm at. Picard pulls him in and he says, he tells him, you know, you're circling the room like a buzzard. (laughs) (laughs) Just basically like, sit down. (laughs) And then um, afterwards, uh, the end of that scene, when Deanna storms out, she's really mad and and, um, she screams at her mother, you know, stop all this petty bickering. Like those, that's the word she uses. And then Dana... (laughs) After a beat, and after every, after all the air has been sucked out of the room, and after Deanna leaves, and the doors swing shut, and everybody's just like, "Well, that's weird. What do we do now?" Data at that moment says, "Could you please continue the petty bickering? <laughs> yeah. I find it fascinating." <laughs> and it's just that there is like that's Data. Like it's so because again, kind of his naivete mm-hmm. about about you know humanity and and emotion and you just kind of want to throw your arms around him and hug him because that's what everybody wants to say i mean you know there's probably people there sitting on the side of the table going like this is the best show i've seen all year right but Mm -hmm. nobody can say it but data can because he doesn't know any better Mm -hmm. and it's just it's so sweet it's just oh man um so finally we have to render our verdict i think i know where we're going to be on this one um somebody new to star trek if you put together the the essentials list you know to watch in order you know, you got to start in season one because there's some stuff there that lays the groundwork. So season one as a whole, not very strong. Um, but is this one of the episodes you put on the on the roadmap? Is this the one that you say, yeah, you know, you can include this, watch this one, or, or is this one like... No, just ew. just skip it. Just there, there, <laughs> just skip it. Um, there's, I mean, like I said in the preview when I spoke, I've seen all the episodes of Star Trek. I've, I've seen them all. Yeah. And actually what was funny is... When we were going back to rewatch this one, I was like, I don't remember seeing this one. And I think you said, you're like, yeah, I think we just skipped it. Yeah, like, I think we just yep. skipped it. Because yep. I was watching and I was like, <clears throat> I mean, I usually have some sort of trigger in the back of my head that's like, oh, yeah, I remember this or yeah, this is going to come up. This was fresh. To, like, this was, yeah. there was no memory about watching this yeah. one. Um, so I think that speaks volumes <laughs> as to, to at least my recommendation is, is there, there's nothing in here that, I mean... Look, Swana's going to be goofy down the road anyway. You're going to get her. This isn't going to affect your ability to either like or dislike her. Yeah. The arranged marriage clearly doesn't happen, so no don't worry impact, about it. No, right? no impact. Yeah. And the Torellians, as far as I know, never, never show up back. again. Nope. Um, and nope. nobody else does. So I really don't think that this is a, this is a critical one for you. It's I the, don't. It's the ultimate forgettable episode. It really is. Yeah. And it's also it's one of those episodes where if if you know if you're a lifelong TNG fan and you know, you and I have watched Star Trek forever. Um, so, you know, you can sit down and you watch it and you kind of laugh and you're like, yeah, well, that one was weird. 
Uh, but for somebody who's like, I don't get this show. Like, why is why do people love it? You watch, you have them watch this episode. And they're like, I'm out of here. Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. I nope. mean, nope. Yeah, no. Because it doesn't. There, there's other ways to be introduced to Waxana Troy. Because in reality, you can distill her character down to it's you know Deanna's eccentric mother. You know, yeah. Okay? So and she like, shows up randomly all the time. Like, oh, Deanna's mom's coming. Okay, great. Yeah. And you know, I mean, this episode doesn't really set any of her backstory anyway. It's just she's Deanna's mom. Yeah. And she's here to do this marriage thing. Yep. And you know nothing else, literally nothing else about her other than she's Beta Z, Beta Zoid, excuse me, and she's her mom. Yep. That's it. Like, And you could have gathered that at any point in time. Like, yeah. that's not. It's so disposable that the planet Haven is never mentioned again. The Torellians are never mentioned again. Um, Which is sad because I feel like there's a lot they could have done with that. Yeah. But I've said that. They painted them in a corner, though, because yeah. there's like six of them left. Mm. It's like, that's it. Mm-hmm. Done. Um, so, yeah, it's. Uh, we skip this one, I think. Yeah. But it was a heck of a lot of fun to talk about. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I um thank you so much for doing this. You're welcome. This has been fun. Yeah, it has been great. Thanks for comparing me to Wyatt cuz he's a total dreamboat. He's he's got your luscious locks. He's he's got the wavy I feel like I could. Luscious probably. locks. Yeah. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Thanks. He's got your boyish charm. Thank you. You're welcome. I like that. Mhm. Yeah. You you've always been my dream woman. Oh. Great. There I've go. never worn a tube top, people. Never. Yeah. That's why you're my dream woman. <laughs> uh, and that's going to do it for uh, episode number 10, uh, Haven. Uh, until next time, I'm Jason. And I'm Hillary. And thanks for listening to the Hi-Fi Sci-Fi Podcast.